0: We, are, we skipped last week, so we're picking up a uh, back up in our series entitled Fixed, as you can see, and we are looking at a phrase that comes from Hebrews chapter 12, and we've been looking at those first three verses in Hebrews chapter 12, but in, you know, in, in specific, we've been zeroing in on, on that phrase that, that the Hebrew writer says, to, to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, when, when you grow weary, when you lose heart, and you feel like you're ready to give up, fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and that helps you run the race with perseverance. And, and as we've talked about, uh, you know, so often what, what, we, what we want when we're going through times of struggle and hard times and, um, you know, when, when, we, when we feel like giving up and we feel weary, we want comfort, right? And, and what we really need, though, is, is some courage. We need to be filled with, with courage. Now, those two things aren't mutually exclusive, but they are different, and kind of compared it throughout the series as Mr. Rogers versus kind of William Wallace, right? And, and what we want is, is Mr. Rogers and somebody to come and put their arm around us and tell us, I know it's hard, and, and I'm sorry, and it's going to be okay. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but courage is, is not necessarily putting an arm around the shoulder, but, but kind of grabbing someone by the shoulder and saying, I, I know it's hard, but now's not the time to give up. Now is not the time to check out. Now is the time to keep going, to step back on the track, uh, to run the race that God has called you to run. Don't give up. Be filled with courage. And so that's the challenge that we've kind of been giving each other, or I've been giving you, and hopefully you've been giving me, uh, is to to be filled with courage. To be filled with courage. But the reality is, what does that look like, right? I mean, because we can talk about courage... And somebody telling you to have courage is like somebody telling you to feel better, right? You feel sick and somebody says, feel better. And you're like, well, thanks. But what good does that really do, right? I mean, it's it's polite, I guess, but you know, I hope you feel better. Yeah, me too. But it doesn't do a whole lot. Um, and courage is kind of the same way. It's not enough just to, to tell someone to be courageous. I mean, how do you do that? Where, where does that courage come from? What What's it... What's the basis for it? You see, courage is only as good as the confidence behind it. I mean, I can talk about having courage all day long, but if there's no real confidence behind it, then it's just a false courage. There's no real substance to it. And so the moment your courage gets tested, what you put your confidence in also gets tested. And when there's no real substance to, to behind to what you put your confidence in, then it just evaporates. Your courage evaporates. And so courage comes from where we put our confidence, but our courage is only as real or as strong as the legitimacy of our confidence. Does that make sense? We're gonna kind of explore that a little bit more this week or this this morning. Go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter, I guess you can turn to chapter 10. We'll start there. And we're gonna work our way, some different passages through Hebrews 10, um, 11 and kind of Different passages throughout that. And so the Hebrew writer is talking to these Christians, uh, these Jewish Christians, about what they can be confident in and, and where they find their, their confidence. And as we've talked about, the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is the supremacy of Jesus, right? That Jesus is better. If you want to sum it up in three words, Jesus is better. And so we can put our confidence in Him. And because Jesus is better, if our confidence is in Him, then He helps us to run the race. We can run the race with perseverance. We can walk out, run out this this Christian race that God has put before us. Because again, just telling someone to be courageous, telling someone to take heart, as the title of the message is this morning, if there's no confidence to back it up, really isn't all that helpful I don't know how many of you grew up playing Monopoly. I don't think anybody under the age of like 15 plays Monopoly anymore, but I I loved playing Monopoly. We'd go to my grandparents' house and we'd play Monopoly. But telling someone to have courage with nothing to back it up is like giving someone $100,000 in Monopoly money and saying, here, go spend it, right? It all sounds good and well until it's time to spend it, right? Until it's time to test it. And the minute it gets tested, the whole thing falls apart, it's, it's worthless. And for a lot of us, I, I think we've experienced that in one way or another. Maybe you had some confidence and you had some courage and things were going well, but then your confidence got tested and something happened that exposed your confidence. And when your confidence got exposed, then your courage started to disappear. And so when we say take courage, Right? When we speak courage into one another's hearts and lives, it's not just a pep talk. Or let me just, let me say it this way. It can't be just a pep talk. I mean, we can say it as a pep talk, but it can't be just a pep talk. It's gotta be more than that. It's not just a halftime speech. It's not just about you know playing the theme song from Rocky and trying to pump ourselves up. I mean, that may work for a little bit, but once it's tested, your confidence is revealed. And and courage it all comes down to what you put your confidence in. And so you think about it like athletes and soldiers would tell you that, that courage is rooted in confidence that comes from their confidence, competence. Does that make sense? So courage comes from their confidence that's rooted in how competent they are. Now, for a soldier or for an athlete, that comes through training, Right? And I'll get to this in just a minute. For us as Christians, it comes from from another place. But just really simply, as we get ready to engage some of these these scriptures this morning, understand that real courage requires real confidence. And we can have a false bravado all we want and we can put the face on, but, but real courage demands that there be real confidence. It's not enough to say, be courageous. You know, you can do it, just be courageous. It has to be rooted in confidence. That word confidence appears a number of times in the passages that we're going to look at and in those uh, chapters of Hebrews 10 through 13, confidence in the supremacy of Christ, that Jesus is better. And so if you're taking notes, I would, just, I would just say it this way, that confidence in the competence of Jesus is where we find courage to not give up. A lot of C words in there. But confidence in the competence, not in our training, not in our our own competence, but confidence in the competence of Jesus is where we find the courage to not give up. It's not in ourselves. It's, in a, it's a confidence in him and what he's done for us and what he's doing and, and what he will do one day. It's confidence in him. And so these Christians that we've been studying in, in Hebrews, they used to have that. They used to have that kind of confidence and that kind of courage, but then life got hard and the race got long and they were losing heart and they were losing courage. They were wondering, and maybe maybe you've asked this question before, is Jesus really worth it? You know, is all this worth it? What we're doing here, what, this life that he's called us to live, I mean, it, it, is it really worth it? And so in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32, the Hebrew writer reminds him of the kind of courage and confidence that they once had. And, and here's what he says. He says, Remember those early days after you had received the light. He so says, remember when you first became followers of Jesus. During that time, you endured great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. And so he says, sometimes it happened to you. Sometimes it happened to those that, that were around you. Your family, your friends, your loved ones. You suffered along with those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because, here's how they did that. Because you knew that you yourselves had something better. You had a better and lasting possessions. And so he's saying, look, do you remember how it used to be? You used to have some confidence. You used to live courageously. And there was suffering and there were struggles. But Jesus was better than those things that you had to endure. And, and some of you were thrown into prison, but Jesus was better than prison, and you knew that. And, and, and some of your stuff got taken away, but, but Jesus is better than your stuff. And you had this confidence in Jesus that gave you courage, but now you're losing heart. Now your courage is slipping away. And so the Hebrew writer implores them in verse 35, don't throw away your confidence. Do not throw away confidence. Your confidence, don't throw it away. Now is not the time to throw away the confidence that has sustained you up to this point. Don't throw it away, it's still there for you. And and this idea of throwing away means that you're intentionally gonna have to throw it away. Like it's not gonna run away from you, you're gonna have to throw it away. If you don't want it anymore, then, then you you make that decision, But but it's still there, come back throw it away. And, and, and I think maybe for some of us, probably for all of us at different points, uh, but especially maybe some of you, this is a message that you need to hear. And God is, you think about the times that we're living in and the things that we see and the things that we're, God is calling us back to a confidence in him. And, and, and maybe for some of you, you had some things that, that have gotten in the way. And maybe you had a season in your life where, maybe you're going through it this morning, where you're not sure, is Jesus better? Like, I know he's good, but is he better? And, you know, I, I, mean, I, see, I see this life over here, and I'm just not sure. I mean, it looks pretty inviting. And I'm not sure if this is better. The Hebrew writer says, don't, don't, don't throw that away come back to it, grab a hold of it, remember the confidence that you had in Jesus, or, or maybe it just, it seems like it's just slipping away, and it's, it's hard, because you know the, the the cultural climate that we live in, it's not so cool to be a Christian. I mean, it's not so cool to, to hold certain morals and beliefs. It's not so cool to to stand strong and to stand up for what's right and what's wrong. And I don't mean as you define it, I mean as God defines it. Or maybe some things have happened in your life where it really just seems to tug at that confidence. Maybe a loved one dies or a relationship falls apart or a season of disappointment and hurt and pain just leaves you reeling. But whatever it is, don't throw away the confidence that you have in Jesus. Life is hard. I'm not going to get up here and tell you that it's easy because life is not easy. It's, and there are challenges and there are struggles, but the confidence that you have in Jesus Christ will give you the courage to endure and not give up. So, so grab a hold of that with both hands and don't throw it away. Now, there's certainly a lot of ways that, that we can throw away our confidence but I just wanna give you two ways that we can avoid doing that this morning, try and keep it simple. The first is to consider Christ rather than simply considering our circumstances. Now, I know that sounds simple, but the reality is we get that mixed up because what we tend to do is we tend to consider our circumstances rather than considering Christ. Each week in this series, we've been through those bits and pieces of of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three, but those first two verses, what we've been kind of walking through bit by bit. But in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse three, here's what that passage says. It says, consider him, who's him? Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you won't lose courage. Consider him. But what we have a tendency to do is to consider our circumstances. I mean, how many of you this morning are distracted by something that's going on in your life? That even in, in, in a time of worship that we still can't even, we still struggle to consider him over our circumstances. Much less when we go out, we go out into our daily lives. It, it, it's so easy for us to get caught up in our situation and, and to, to focus on our frustrations or to get preoccupied with our problems and and some of you know all too well what that's like because life just hasn't turned out the way that you hoped it would and you thought things would be better you thought you'd have a better marriage or a better family or better kids or better finances or better health or you fill in the blank but things haven't really come into place and the more they haven't come into place the more that you tend to give that your attention and your focus and you consider those things. I'm not saying it's easy, but the Hebrew writer says, consider him. Just At least just for a moment, take your eyes off that stuff and, and, and consider him. That word consider has a couple of different meanings. Uh, one, as you might assume, is to think about, like to consider it, to think about it, to contemplate it, to think about Jesus, think about who he is, think about what he's done, what he's done for you. And as you consider, as you contemplate, as you think about what Jesus has done, hopefully that gives you courage to keep going, to not give up, because you know he understands what it's like. You know that he'll give you the, the strength and the help to make it through whatever it is that you're going through. Another way that maybe to think about that word consider is to compare. And so... The idea is to compare what you're going through with what Jesus went through. And you just put those two up against each other. And you think about Jesus, what he went through on the cross. You think about the agony that he went through, the pain that he went through for you. Taking the sin of the world on himself and you compare that to what you're going through. Now, I, I don't think we do that so that we just disregard what we're going through. That's not the point. But a little perspective always helps. And just, it reminds us that he went through that for us. I, I was reading a story about a guy named Joey Lee. Um, and he ran in a hundred, oh, let me say this so you get it. He ran in, a 150-mile ultramarathon ran through the Sahara Desert. It's called the toughest foot race on earth. It makes me thirsty just thinking about it. 150 miles through the desert. His wife, Allison, had died of cancer about a year and a half earlier, and he was raising money uh, for the American Cancer Society. And after the first day, men, there's a lot of contestants that just get airlifted out. They just can't. Hackett. I mean, it's the Sahara Desert. Um, It's it's a tough race just to finish, much less to do well. And so after the first day, people are airlifted out, and around the eighty mile mark, he's still going, but because of the extreme heat, the soles on the shoes of his that were on his feet, they blew out, and so he has very little protection, and he's running through the Sahara Desert, 150 miles. His feet are blistered beyond belief, every step is excruciating. But he finished. And after the race, like a week-long race, it takes you a week to, to get through this, they asked him, they said, how'd you do it? How did you keep going? Even when you felt like quitting, when things were going wrong, how did you do it? And he, and he said, here's what he said. I love what he said. He said, I thought about Allison a lot and how this is nothing compared to what she went through. Every step was hard. He didn't diminish how hard it was, but with every step, instead of focusing on the pain, he was thinking about his wife, the pain that she went through. If she can do it, he can do it. One step in front of the other finishes the race. Another part of comparing is the idea that not only do you compare what you're going through to what Jesus went through, but you compare what you're going through to Jesus like, again, that's the whole theme of the book of Hebrews, that Jesus is better. And so the Hebrew writer just over and over again, he's, you know, he's like, Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is you know, better than Moses. Jesus is better than the old covenant. Jesus is better than the old sacrificial system. Jesus is better than your past failures. Jesus is better than your, your current dilemmas. Jesus is better than your future fears. He's just better. Fill in the blank. Jesus is better. Like a, a bracket. I don't know how many of you do brackets during you know March Madness. I always do a bracket and it's shredded after the first week. But it's like the, the Hebrew writer is setting up a bracket where Jesus, whatever you want to fill in, Jesus wins the tournament. Right? He, he wins. Jesus is better. And, and, and so each time the Hebrew writer is just reminding us that our confidence is in Jesus because Jesus is better. Don't throw away that confidence. That's where our courage comes from. Second way we, we can avoid throwing away our confidence is don't confuse confidence in self with confidence in Christ. Don't confuse confidence in self with confidence in Christ. And yet, just like the other one, we, we do this so often. We get the two confused. And I don't even think we, I mean, sometimes we do it on purpose because we, we just think very highly of ourselves, but I think sometimes we don't intentionally do this. It just kind of happens. We, we live in a world, in our Western world, where we're discipled in this idea of courage is self-courage. You know, it's self-help, right? It's, it's self-discipline. It's self-confidence. We're, we're putting the confidence in us, and that's how we find courage, and, and that might work for a little bit until it gets tested. I uh, I read a funny story about a dating website. In their compatibility survey, they asked several of their uh, no, they asked all of their users a series of questions. And one of the questions that they asked is, "Are you a genius? Do you consider yourself to be a genius?" Now, statistically speaking, those numbers should work themselves out just in a. IQ tests, those numbers should work themselves out to about one out of a thousand. But one gender tended to overrate themselves in uh, how they qualified themselves as as a genius. So um, one gender in particular, I won't tell you which, obviously, um, but but one gender in particular, um, five out of ten of these guys, I mean people, said, yeah, I'm a genius. Five out of 10. Half of them said, yes, I actually, I qualify as a genius and just wanted to let you know. Uh, The article, I like how the article puts it. Uh, The article said that five out of 10 think they're one out of a thousand. And, And so, you know, they have this confidence, but why are they confident? Well, likely it's never been tested, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a genius. Well, have you tested that? No, I just kind of know I am, you know. Likely when they test that, those numbers are going to, to drop significantly, right? And so for many of us, we, we have this self-confidence, but it's not really real. I mean, it's a facade that we put up, right? Because that's what we think we have to do. It's kind of been beaten to us in this culture, Right? feel good about yourself, you know, this humanistic, it's all about me approach to life. Even in churches, a lot of times you'll hear sermons there where, you know, it's just, it's all about you and, and what you can do to make your life better. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a responsibility. It's not what I'm saying. You do have a responsibility, but you just listen and, and, and you walk out and you're like, yeah, I got this. I got this. No, you don't. Nor do I and some of you realize that all too well your courage got tested your confidence got revealed it got exposed like it worked great for you until it didn't worked great until the marriage fell apart or the family fell apart or the relationship or the job was lost or the finances went under or the addiction was too big to cover up anymore or fill in the blank it worked great until it got tested and then you find out that the confidence that you thought you had, it wasn't real. And so the courage poof, disappears. And the Hebrew writer is saying, don't put your confidence in yourself. So, so think about it this way. What is it that robs us of confidence a lot of times? You know, what destroys confidence? You put it in a little context for an athlete. You know, what is it that, dis- that destroys an athlete's confidence? Well, I think a lot of different ways that you could say this or put it or maybe frame it. But I think what it really comes down to is failure. You wanna, well, you wanna chip away at confidence? Failure. Or the fear of failure. They both have kind of the same effect. I mean, it's hard to have courage to try again if you failed the time before, right? Because you're a little bit shaken and you get in your own head and it's hard once that happens to keep moving forward. You failed, your confidence gets exposed and now it's hard to keep going. And so spiritually, that's what happens to a lot of people. It got tested. And we failed, we were running the race, and we fell, and we struggled along the way. And eventually you struggle enough, you fail enough, and you start to think, you know what, I'm out. You know, I've failed too many times as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a friend, I failed too many times with God. And, and that describes a lot of people. They start strong, and they had these ideas and thoughts about the, what their lives would be like, but when things got tough, they couldn't hack it. And now they're done. And almost always it's, it comes when you put your confidence in yourself or in the things of this world. But it was never meant to be in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, your confidence is in him. The Hebrew writer is, is saying Jesus is better. Jesus is just better. Put your confidence in him. He's better than your past failures. I, I love what Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, listen to what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence. Confidence we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance or full confidence that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need hebrew writer says that he is our high priest the role of the priest was to be the mediator the go-between the connector between us as humans and god we there's a broken relationship priest was the go-between But we no longer need a priest because Jesus is our priest. He's the ultimate fulfillment of that role. The priest was the link between God and man. But when Jesus came, God replaced the link with a cross. And Jesus, through the cross, through his death, through the sacrifice of his life, through the shedding of his blood, through his body, he dealt with our failures. He dealt with our inadequacies. And the cross makes a way for us to have the confidence and the courage, not in ourselves, not in what we've done, but in Christ. So that we have courage to approach God's throne of grace to find the help we need when we need it the most so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. It's confidence in Him. If you think about that idea of taking heart, take heart, and so instead of losing heart, you take heart, you'll find that terminology in different ways, but same idea over and over again in Scripture Old Testament, New Testament. Similar way, like in the Old Testament, would be God telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, right? And, and then over and over again throughout Scripture, you hear, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Same idea. Take heart. Take courage. But if you look at the context in which this idea of, of take heart is used, what you'll consistently find is not take heart because you can do this. It's take heart because God can do it. It's not take heart because you're strong enough. It's take heart because He's strong enough. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a guy by the name of Gideon. You can read about his story in Judges chapter 6. When we first meet Gideon, he's not exactly the mighty warrior that, that God calls him by name of. He's hiding from the Midianites who are oppressing the people, God's people. Angel of the Lord comes to, comes to Gideon. And he says, Gideon, I got a job for you. Um, my people are, you know, God's people are being oppressed. I need you to, to stand up. and I need you to do something about it and 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 Gideon's like I can't like I'm my my tribe is the weakest out of all the tribes my my clan is the the weakest out of the tribe and my family's the weakest out of the clan and I'm basically the weakest I mean like I'm I'm the low of the low of the low like there doesn't get any lower than me you you know who you're talking here and 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 when God responds to Gideon he he doesn't say yes Gideon you can do this he, he doesn't say, Gideon, you just gotta believe in yourself. You just gotta dig down deep. Like this isn't the part of the story where I, the tiger comes on and there's a B-roll of, of Gideon kind of doing a, a training montage. That's not what's going on here, okay? You know what God says to him? He doesn't say, Gideon, you can do it. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. Don't confuse that. The call of following Jesus is not you can do it. It's not you just got to work harder, try harder, be more determined. It's not your strength, it's his. It's not your confidence, it's confidence in him. I love what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 13. He tells us, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so, verse six, we can say with what? Confidence. We can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Some of you need to say that again and again and again and again and again until you believe it and you say it with confidence. And you can come in here on a Sunday morning, you can say that, right? But you don't believe it. You need to tell yourself that and say it with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. That's what it means to take heart. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to them about heaven. There's something greater. But he's also saying, like, you're going to face some junk. There's some stuff coming down the way. And I I want you to be aware of these things. And he says in verse 33 of chapter 16, he says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. (laughs) Okay? So, look. Look. In this world, you will have trouble. I've told you all these things. I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be caught off guard. You're gonna face trouble. I, this is life and life brings trouble. Jesus would say in earlier on in, in Matthew, he says that do not worry about tomorrow. Remember what he says? Because tomorrow has enough to worry about. Like we, we've got stuff, enough stuff today that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. And some of you are like, amen, got that. Jesus says, you will have trouble. It's just a reality of living in this world. But I want you to know there's a promise and a hope worth hanging on to. In this world, you will have trouble. But what? Take heart. Take courage. Well, how do we do that? I've overcome the world. You see, I'm better. Hebrew writer says in chapter 10, verse 35, don't throw that away. Do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded day's coming. If you finish the race, there is a reward on the other side. Listen to what he says, continuing in verse 36. It says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous ones will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't quit down. Now is not the time to step off the track. Now is not the time to shrink back. Take heart, run the race, finish the race. There is a reward.